Well, hi, everybody. Welcome live to In the Weeds with Jimmy Young, live on Wednesday afternoons on LinkedIn Live. I'm from Pro Cannabis Media, coming to you from our world headquarters just outside of Boston. We're so happy to have our Emerald Media correspondent and our good friend, Christina Giovanni live from the Big Apple. Hi, Christina. How are you and how is New York today? Hi, Jimmy. Thank you so much for having me. New York is a little gloomy today. I'm getting some notifications from Con Edison about severe weather, but I think we will just pass right through it. So, um, you know, just another reason to spark up when the power goes out. There you go. And uh, and spoken like a true meteorologist wannabe. Okay. Uh, I too do love my little weather and I walk around with my little weather channel and other uh, devices just to check the radar and make sure everything's going to be okay. Because uh, we can't control the weather, can we, Christina? No, we can't. We can only control our stash. That's <laughs> Tell us about Emerald Media. Go ahead. You get to talk a little bit about what you've accomplished, where you're at, where people can find you. Go ahead. This is your time to shine, your time to tell us a little bit about the empire that you've built down there in the Big Apple. Wow, what a lucky girl I am. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jimmy. Um, Emerald Media Group is a cannabis news and culture magazine. We've been around since 2012. We started in the Emerald Triangle. Uh, for those of you that aren't aware of the Emerald Triangle, it's an area about five hours north of San Francisco. It consists of Humboldt County, Mendocino County, and Trinity County. And at one point, it was estimated they collectively cultivate 70% of the United States cannabis. So it is um, cannabis country, America's cannabis heartland up there, and that's right where we're from. So we do a quarterly print magazine. We publish daily articles on our website. We do podcast series, we do videos, we send a newsletter out three times a week. And we really are just about bringing that representation to the table and having that conversation and showing people what the cannabis industry actually is. It's not the days of the devil's lettuce. It's not the days of boobs, blunts and bongs anymore. It's the days of our grandparents and our parents and our aunts and our uncles going into a dispensary and purchasing cannabis legally. And so we really do uh, pride ourselves on the product reviews that we do. We interview entrepreneurs in the industry. We do dispensary tours. Um, you know, we do tours of cultivation sites. And so, again, you know, we're really just trying to expose the true cannabis industry to all the people that are already in it, but also to newcomers as well. So that's that's our mission in a nutshell. I am, as you said, I'm on the East Coast now. Started in Northern California, ended up in Brooklyn, New York, which is where I'm at today. So we cover coast to coast cannabis news and we love working with pro cannabis media also. Yeah. We are friends. And that's the best part of this is you get to meet people like yourself uh, who have a similar mission. And this is what we do is we want to tell the stories of the cannabis industry in their own words. And uh, you and I met a few years back at a New England cannabis convention event. And, and sure enough, uh, that is happening next week back in Boston at the Heinz Auditorium over three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It'll be the first in-person cannabis conference in the Boston area in well over two years. And Christina, you just came back from Las Vegas where they had their first cannabis face-to-face -face conference as well. Uh, I got to ask you, I know that it was the lead story of our We Talk News last week, but uh, can you reflect a little bit about that experience? You came out of there, you were pretty you were pretty high. You were pretty excited that uh, it had gone off as well as it did. 
yes, the, the energy was high. The momentum was fierce. Um, I, I had such a great time. Vegas is always a great time. And, you know, we've gone to many conferences in Vegas before, but we've never exhibited before, but we were exhibiting this time and it was awesome. So for anyone out there who's ever considering exhibiting at a Vegas convention, I highly encourage it. Um, you know, the, the quality of the conversations and the people that were there was priceless. It was really just an all around good, wholesome time. It was for Cannabis Business Times Magazine, who we worked with for a long time in the industry. They used to have their conferences in Oakland, California. They've moved it to Las Vegas, which I think was a great move for them. Lots more people came. Um, and it's just very easy to get to Vegas. So um, overall, looking back, I mean, the conference was great. Again, you know, had met some great people, had some good conversations. I was not nervous about COVID. I know a lot of people are hesitant and reserved to go out. And I, you know, I want to say proceed with caution, but also it's okay to live life. You know, I mean, we can't hide inside forever. Um, but I do understand everyone's concern and there is a mask mandate in Nevada. And I heard somewhere that there is a, is there a mask mandate in Massachusetts? Okay. So there is a mask mandate in Massachusetts now. So if you're going to NECAN in Boston next weekend, keep right. that in mind, you're going to have to mask up. Um, right. and, it is and in Boston. I will say, I will, I will make this clear. I want to make sure I'm clear about this since I'm up in Massachusetts. It is up to each individual town. And yes, in Boston, they now have an indoor mask mandate. And I believe some restaurants are requiring you to show vaccination or proof of vaccination, whether that is a card that you perhaps can carry around. I have one in my wallet, but I also have a photo of it uh, on my phone. So um, if you are planning and watching from outside the, um, the area, you do want to make sure that you get yourself vaccinated or at least proof of vaccination. Um, before you show up in so that you can get into that event. Um, and that's important. I, I'm, again, I'm not 100% sure that they're looking for proof of vaccination to get into NECAN. But if you want to go out to restaurants in the city of Boston or take part in any of the nightlife, then I'm pretty sure that you do have to have at least a mask on and have at least access to proof of vaccination. And I think I'm pretty um, sure about all those information, that information anyway. Um, Christina, as someone who's been around the world a little bit, or at least this great country, um, are you noticing, and especially New York, which is where you're at, and you know, we are going to talk a little bit about the new laws in New York that allow you to consume in public, anywhere where smoking is allowed to be consumed. Um, a lot of states that have adult use cannabis laws are not allowing public consumption uh, that has caused a few issues uh, over the last few years in Massachusetts. That being said, uh, in New York, the issues are are not as big a deal because I think everybody accepts that if you go out on the streets of New York now, you're going to smell weed. Accurate? I would say that's fairly accurate. I've smelt it myself and you smell lots of things on the streets of New York, not just cannabis or cigarettes. Uh, but that being said, you know, I, coming from California, I mean, they treat cannabis like alcohol. So in designated areas, 21 and above. Uh, so New York taking this approach of, Hey, it's, you know, like cigarettes, you can smoke outdoors is very, um, forward thinking. And I, I, as a cannabis consumer, I appreciate that because there's nothing, you know, being an adult and, and hiding in my you know, in this area to like sneak a toke, it just, 
throws me back into childhood when I was hiding from my parents. And I don't like that because I've come a long way to be an adult. So I do appreciate the uh, public consumption in New York and I have partaken in that myself. So there you, go. You, know, you know, it's funny. You bring up an interesting point uh, growing up uh, as a rebel teenager. Okay. I'm using myself here. I'm not putting, I'm not saying you were a rebel teenager. I was. But... <laughs> Another thing we have in common. Um, you know, we did we kept it from our parents we snuck around now granted i grew up in the 60s and 70s and 80s so it was a little bit different but the point is now as you get older you know i know a lot of adults that keep it from their kids because they don't want to see their kids there set an example for the kids saying hey mommy and daddy you're smoking that weed again it, which i find interesting because at some point at some point the equation that you made and that analogy you made about alcohol like the kids know that the adults will drink alcohol but there's still that awkwardness if you will about cannabis and i just wonder how long how many generations it might take like i have a 31 year old child at this point he doesn't care whether his dad is in the cannabis industry smoking weed or not and that's a to me that's a big big advance um but you know again he's 31 he's not 17 or 16 and i just wonder i don't have any teenage i'm i'm thrilled always to talk with parents about this because i do think the more normal we treat cannabis the quicker we will achieve normalcy in our society what, what's your feeling about that absolutely i think you know with every state uh legalizing and coming online we are taking a leap forward in this um really just dark point of our history this you know propaganda that we've gone through for generations now you know my father even said um oh, sorry for that my mother is calling in uh, <laughs> my father even get her said, on the phone come on i'd love to talk to the mama hello Did mom <laughs> uh, no my, my dad even said i i never thought i'd see it in my lifetime i never thought i'd see legalization in my lifetime and so He's, you know, pleasantly surprised. He used to be a cannabis smoker, and then he claims when he had kids, he gave it up. But you know, they they say one parents, they say one thing, they do another. So, um, well, I did that. I'll admit, I took ten years off when my child was born, the first ten years of his life, and uh, right. you know, and I found it interesting. But I do want to go back to New York City for a second. Um, an interesting note that came across the news wires, as we used to say back in the day when they actually had news wires. Um, cannabis possession crimes in New York City arrests for the first quarter of 2021, when, which is interesting because the law, I believe, was passed finally in April. I want to say April, May. So was, I, Yeah, somewhere around there. So just after uh, the first quarter ended, March 30th in 2021. So it was right after that. That being said, up to that point, there were 163 arrests for cannabis possession between January 2021 and March 30, 2021. And then under legalization, arrests have fallen to eight. Eight. The, the proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the numbers, how ridiculous cannabis arrests are. I was arrested for cannabis. That's how my company got started because the pen is mightier than the sword. And so it was a waste of resources. It was wrong to, to arrest these individuals and they deserve their form of restorative justice. Uh, you know, I mean, just as anyone who's been a victim of the war on drugs and the fact that it came down to eight, 
makes me as a tax paying citizen very upset of where my money was spent. I don't want to arrest uh, you know, people that are smoking weed outside or that they have a pound of weed in their in their purse or something like that. That doesn't bother me. I'm not offended by that crime, quote unquote, right. um, you know, murder and other things of that nature, assault. I'm very offended by that. Please use my tax money to go arrest those individuals and to invest in resources to counteract those crimes. But bringing it down to eight. And then I wonder about those eight people, you know, how much cannabis did that do they have 10 pounds on them 12 pounds on them like they had over three ounces over three ounces over three ounces and okay. by the way christina as a regular what was the last time you walked around with over three ounces on your possession just out of curiosity i mean i've done it before <laughs> <laughs> um i mean especially in california i'm coming from humble county okay right. i mean that's I three ounces is like i think this big it's like right. a sandwich right. so that's not that bad but um I mean, in New York City, I can't say that I've been walking around with that because right. we're not in Kansas anymore. But um, right, you know. And your new and your new acting governor, the lieutenant governor, Kathy. I, I think it's Hochul. Is it Hochul? I believe so. I know I, I'm still yet to like catch it, but I know it's uh, it starts with an H. Hochul. I think you're correct. I think it is. It's Kathy Hochul uh, has replaced the uh, outgoing, disgraced governor Andrew Cuomo. And it does feel like, you know, originally everybody was wasn't sure if this would be a good thing or a bad thing as far as speeding up the process. It does seem like she is committed to moving forward with the at least uh, identifying the regulatory body, the people that will be in charge of the new industry. Right. So the Senate was out. I don't know if they're back in session yet. I believe if, if they're not back yet, they will be this month. Um, so, you know, we need a, uh, an executive director and. And people, you're right, people were reserved, they were concerned, you know, is this individual going to slow down the process or speed it up? There's way too much momentum right now, especially in New York State, to slow it down. Someone's going to get sued, and people right. are ready. Uh, right. People are so, so happy these days that, you know, if you don't move this process along, there are, I, I, I read something about this, that there's a group out there in New York that's ready to move forward if the governor is not going to move forward fast enough. But the governor herself, she said before, she's acknowledged New York's deficit. Right. She has uh, been vocal about legalization and how that will help um, help combat the deficit right now. And so, I I I always believe, you know, from the minute I I knew Cuomo was stepping out and she was stepping in, I personally believe that we were on a timeline. The Senate gets back, she nominates an executive director. The Senate votes on them. If that person passes you know, maybe that's by October, November, then they start handing down regulations in December, people might be able to start applying for licenses in January. I, I've been saying that I've been manifesting it, I hope it's going to come true. Um, but you know, I, I definitely think already, she's moving faster than Cuomo did. I don't know what his opposition was to cannabis at the end of the day. But he, he definitely was a snail through the process. Uh, you know, we got to get a woman in there. We got to get her to make this right, fix that, fix house. So, what uh, whatever it takes, when uh, when when a man deserves, when he acts badly and is is treating women poorly, uh, at that point, uh, power and greed can be very dangerous entities. And the sooner that is replaced, the better. And that is exactly what seems to have happened rather quickly in New York. So I give, so I, I certainly uh, salute, salute the Empire State there. Uh, the projections 
for the size of the market in New York are in the billions, Christina. What role do you see Emerald Media playing in that market? I mean, it seems like you're sitting in the right place at the right time, as I view it. Well, to be completely honest, I have dreams of starting the Emerald Dispensary. So uh -huh. th that is um, that is on my list. I will, you know, just keep my fingers crossed and keep putting some good vibes out there. But, you know, like many individuals in this state, um, you know, we all have dreams of getting into this industry legally. You know, mm -hmm. we don't want to be operating in the shadows anymore. You know, we are we're happy to pay taxes on this stuff, you know, let, let give us the green light so we can start our business so we can, you know, move from the legacy market over to the regulated market. Um, for a lot of individuals, I've been doing media when I was in California, I was cultivating cannabis. Now I've just been doing media. Um, you know, I, I am preparing myself to apply for a retail license, um, like many other individuals here in New York. And I can only hope that it's not a pay to play like other states have been, like those with deep pockets. You know, we don't need the MSOs that are corporate cannabis coming in and taking the license and taking the spots of other other innocent individuals of the state that are deserving of it. You know, I hope that everyone, all the people on the ground get a fair chance at this. And I believe that New York is progressive enough to hear the people, you know, if they, if we don't like the regulations, we're not going to vote on it. I feel like that's a very New York thing. Um, you know, in California, I, there was a lot of people in the industry that didn't agree with Proposition 65, but voted for it anyways. I feel like New York, if we were to just vote on it anyways to get it through the door, would have gotten through a few years ago, um, you know, but I mean, we went back to the drawing board Re, um, reintroduced and and now it's gone through and and so and maybe that might have been because Cuomo was going through a little scandal at the time maybe he needed a little distraction from what was actually going on behind the curtain I don't know but I am grateful that it's here and that it's coming and and it's the way of the future you know we need to get this out of the way we need to get it federally legalized or decriminalized some people say it will never go federally legalized it will just be decriminalized so that's whatever whatever the right. next move is we need to start moving in that direction because arresting people for cannabis is ridiculous it's yeah. silly it's ridiculous it's a waste of money stop right. doing it <laughs> right and the prosecutors don't want to waste their time prosecuting those crimes anymore either it does it's not worth it to them the time wise and really and truly where is public safety in danger there this is one of the things i continue to, to rail against it's like you've already talked a little bit about it but you did bring up something about mso's i am going to bring i, I want to go back to don't you think in a beginning of a new industry that the role of the mso is important to play just to kind of get it going faster or do you would you just like it to be totally small business related mom and pop uh derived and i just don't know the real i can't see that as a realistic goal in a state like new york where everything like texas and california everything's got to be big everything's money everything's big that's texas that's california that's new york do they yeah. play a role are the msos are they playing an important role in the beginning of an industry i think they I do mean, they are um showing us the path of how to be a multi-state operator. I mean, right. you know, it, I would say the silver lining is that, you know, they they have helped open the gate. I mean, they've gotten through the threshold. So now, you know, it burst through. So now we can come through. Um, 
And, and I think that they, it is enlightening to see how you can operate in California and Massachusetts and New York. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's corporate cannabis and there will always be a need for, um, I don't, this analogy is not is not good um, because I like to use the Budweiser and the craft beer analogy. Like there yep. will always be the need for the Budweiser of cannabis, right. you know, like people like right. my dad who who was like, oh, one hit and I'm couch locked for the rest of the day. Like it can't go out. So like he's more of the Budweiser cannabis guy. I'm more of the craft beer cannabis kind of gal. Um, and, and I'm not I'm not speaking to any of the MSOs, you know, in the quality of their cannabis. And actually, I think in New York State for medical, they don't even sell flour at the dispensary. So I can't even say, you know, what it's like there. But um, I mean, sure, everyone, everyone plays an important role here. And, you know, I just think that as long as it's fair to everyone on the ground, because how, you know, I mean, we work with so many entrepreneurs, we feature so many dispensary owners, um, you know, we work with so many people in the industry. And it really is incredible to see how much capital these MSOs have raised and how um, corporate and structured they are. And it's enlightening for the industry because, you know, there's been there's always been talk in the industry about, um, you know, professionalism and really making this an industry that's not dependent on word of mouth or a handshake. You know, now we actually use contracts and now you're held liable when you don't follow through, you know, and. And that was a common, common thing I used to hear all the time in California on these cannabis farms is I got ripped off. I didn't get paid out. He owes me money, blah, blah, blah. It was a low harvest. I didn't get paid. Well, guess what? Now we get to use contracts and we get to hold people liable in court. So that's a, I think that that's actually a plus side to the industry. So people don't get hurt or ripped off anymore. Right. Um, but you know what? It is very interesting to see how these MSOs have flourished and again, I mean, with the with the fundraising, you know, there's such everyone is scraping for capital and financing in the in the cannabis industry, and it it feels as though the well has dried up, um, you know. And when cannabis went public on the Canadian uh, stock exchange, we all know the valuations exploded. Uh, you're worth four million dollars here, and there was no evidence to disprove that until time went on. Sometimes you just have to give time time. And the truth came out eventually. And so, you know, I mean, we've been battling this correction in the market, these, inf the, these inflated valuations. And unfortunately, it started with a lot of the big guys at the top. And it's the little guys at the bottom that get to deal with the backlash from that. So, you know, mixed feelings there on some of the MSOs. Sure, they're great to have. Um, and congratulations to them. They've done it well. As long as they return all, as long as they don't forget their community, you know, return right. back to your community, sponsor events, advertise in places, you know, put yourself out there to help entrepreneurs in the industry. You know, I mean, it, it, it's one thing to preach it. Talk is cheap. But, you know, I want to see these MSOs set aside a fund for social equity applicants or right. for minorities. Right. I know that Hawthorne is doing that. They set aside millions of dollars of their own money to help minority um, entrepreneurs. I mean, are, as long as other MSOs are doing that and they're actively giving back, then they've got the thumbs up in my book. But if they're not giving back to the cannabis community, if they're not sponsoring events or helping out entrepreneurs in the industry or marketing with you know, uh, companies like Emerald or Pro Cannabis Media or Honeysuckle Magazine or Edibles Magazine, I mean, then that's where the that's where the red flag comes in. That's where you know 
the term corporate cannabis does not come in your favor. Not that the word corporate is ever the most like flat, uh, flattering word, but you know, it's just really important to give credit where credit is due and to give that recognition and to just, you know, turn back to your community and say, hey, you guys, you know, it's because of our, commu uh, our community efforts that we were able to, you know, open up business in a legalized state, you know, go from state to state and do that. So as long as that is, you know, returned back to the community and that recognition is given, um, you know, and for all the people that are still sitting in prison, there's over 40,000 prisoners still um, incarcerated for cannabis related offenses. You know, I mean, I know that the last prisoner project does a lot of legwork to get these individuals out. I hope that some of the MSOs are actively participating in that because they can afford an attorney for a prisoner. Absolutely. Why not? You know, right. help get this person out of prison. If you can afford it, do it. You know, right. don't just appease your investors. Don't just go for your bottom line at the end of the day. Actually turn around and reinvest in your community. Right. And that in socially responsible capitalism is the term that is being used a lot in this industry. I want to I, I totally support that uh, and and echo all the thoughts that you're putting out there, because I, I do think that this industry does have an opportunity to do the right thing, not just to uh, appease their investors, but also to make a difference in the sociological makeup of this country moving forward, as well as the uh, ecological impact that this plant can have. And I'm specifically talking about the hemp plant in this particular case, because it's time to you know lower our carbon footprint and hemp offers the indus industrial arm an opportunity to do that. And uh, Lord knows, uh, Christina, I always believe there's plenty to go around. It's just a matter of telling enough people and talking to enough people about what we're up to and 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 sharing it all because that's that's kind of what this plant is all about right it's sharing the experiences and making our lives better and enhancing it right absolutely come together and you know stay all day i love that no kumbaya absolutely. baby kumbaya that's what it's yes. about all right hey christina we know we'll see you next week how do people get to emerald media group uh, give a plug online go ahead Absolutely. Please visit us online at theemeraldmagazine.com. We're all over social media. Instagram is The Emerald Magazine, Twitter, The Emerald News. Visit us on LinkedIn if you're already here. Check us out. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, if, if you have a story that you want to get told, if you want to nominate someone to be interviewed or featured in The Emerald Magazine, please reach out to us. It's just info at theemeraldmagazine.com. Pitch us your story. Tell us what's up. We want to know. This is our job to promote you guys out there. So please reach out to us so we can do what we do best. And that is promoting you. And that is Christina Giovanni from the Emerald Media Group. This is In the Weeds Live. We do it every Wednesday at 421, right after 420. And we so uh, have been looking forward to doing these things now over for a few weeks. And I'm really happy that LinkedIn has allowed us to, uh, to add our little pro-cannabis media input onto their uh, platform as well. So for Christina Giovanni, our whole team here at Pro Cannabis Media, remember it's a whole new world of weed out there. Use it responsibly. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on In the Weeds Live with Jimmy Young.